Brooklyn. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. Blessed and highly favored people, let's make some noise this morning, right? Let's make some noise, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, and all those good things, right? I know you're probably saying, Kay, it's 8 a.m. Well, it's 8 a.m. on the East Coast. It's earlier on the West Coast. And even earlier, if you keep going further over, right? But let's just put it this way. Oops, I'm making all this noise in here. I keep bumping into things. This morning, I'm very clumsy. I don't know why. I don't know what. Well, 
I know I'm I'm clumsy on occasion, but today, starting this morning, I've been dropping, bumping into, it's just been one of those mornings, but we're going to work through it, right? So what was I saying? Oh, yeah, I was talking about making noise, right? And I wanted to say, is there any specific time that we should just make noise for the Lord? Like, is it only during a certain time during the day that we're able to give him praises and worship him? No, it's anytime you feel like it. So be it 8 a.m. in the morning, be it 5 a.m. in the morning, be it 1 a.m. in the morning, be it 12 o'clock in the middle of the day, you can say hallelujah to your Lord, right? So let's make some noise, people, and praise the Lord. And it doesn't have to be loud. You could say it quietly in case you don't want to wake up someone who's laying next to you or you don't want to wake up the house, or if you do want to wake up the house, what better way to wake up the house than saying, hallelujah, praise the Lord, right? Well, as you can tell, I'm in a very good mood today. I don't know why, because on the East Coast, we are under a winter weather advisory, I think. Well, whatever it's called, we have snow right now. I'm looking out the window in the studio. I actually had to turn on the lights because it was dark. So that means, you know, there was no sunshine out. And it's actually snowing. It looks very peaceful because I'm on the third floor anyway, so I can't see the people outside. And around here, there wouldn't be too many people outside anyway, because we're in a like industrial area. So, but I'm looking out the window. The snow is coming down very softly. It looks very quiet. And I know a lot of you are probably in your bed snuggling up with your blankets. But listen to what I have to say, because I'm very excited right now. I have some news to report, and it's probably not news to some of you, but it was news to me. And like I said earlier in the in the year, God is telling us to pay attention to the little details. Remember I said that when I finally realized how to turn on the lights and the fan and everything in the studio? It's the little details that he wants us to pay attention to. So since I've gotten that message I've now begun paying attention to little details that I might not have been paying attention to before. And what I noticed was um, the platform that I go to post my shows after I do the show here live on the air, the platform that I use, which then takes it and puts it on Spotify and iTunes. And that's for those of you who have missed some of my other shows. You can find them on Spotify. You can find them on iTunes or you can find them on RadioFreeBrooklyn.com. Go to my show page. All of my shows are there. All of my shows are there. And you can also get in touch with me on Instagram, WWK Say Today. Follow me, drop me a line, drop me some pictures, whatever. But here, this is the news I have for you. So going back to that, I went to the platform, right? The platform that I use that posted to Spotify and iTunes. And I just started clicking tabs, right? Normally when I go up there, I'm like, all right, let me just post my show up. It'll post to the other the other outlets, and I'll be fine. I'm done. But this time I said, no, let me look around and see exactly what is, you know, what is on this platform? Like, is it just for us posting our shows after we do them live on the radio? What other things are here? So as I'm clicking tab, it's like, hmm, it shows me the percentage of people that are downloaded the show. It gave me what times they're listening to the show. 
like increments. I have some people that are listening to the show between 3 and 5 a.m. in the morning, which I was like shocked. I was like, oh, wow, maybe these are people that work at night or maybe these are people who can't sleep, you know. So I was surprised when I saw that. And it'll even tell me what day of the week they're listening to it. But you want to know what I also discovered? It'll show you what geographical location the show is being listened to. And I'm here to announce people. What would Kay say has gone international? (gasps) Isn't that something? Like I said, it's probably not a surprise to most of you, but it was a surprise to me because as I'm clicking, 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 I'm like, oh, what is this? And I see a map, you know, I see a map of the world. I'm like, oh, nice. So I see it highlighted America. You know, United States is highlighted. Alaska is highlighted. Oh, I was like, oh, wow, look at that. Then I see other other countries highlighted. And I'm like, wait a minute. People, I'm proud to report we are listened to in Singapore. We're listened to in Australia. We're listened to in Russia. We're listened to in Canada. I was like, there we go. There we go. And when I saw that, I wanted to just say thank you. Oh, we also listened to in Germany as well. I forgot them not to be, you know, leaving out my German listeners. But I wanted to say thank you to all those countries. Of course, I always thank here in the United States all the time because I'm just, you see, that's what my tunnel vision and God is trying to show me. Expand. What did we say this year was? Faith beyond measure, right? Faith beyond measure. And and what this says, people, is because I always like, if I could just reach one, if I could just reach one person and they understand what it is that I'm saying or the point that I'm trying to get across or the point, not even me get across, the point that God has given me to get across. Let me just keep that straight because it's not me at all. It's him. This is what he wants you to hear. We're fulfilling the Great Commission, right? That Mark spoke about, Mark 15, 15, 16. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Right now, when I started out, I wasn't going into preach. I wasn't starting this show to preach. But when you're talking about the Lord, I guess you can put it on that you're preaching. People look at it as preaching. I don't look at it as preaching. I just look at it as having a conversation. If God has something to say, I don't look at him as preaching to me when he's talking to me. I look at it as he's having a conversation with me and a conversation takes two people, right? He has to say something. You have to say something. He's listening. You're listening. That's a conversation. And it's just that easy when it comes to talking to God. So that's why I really want, that's what I really stress to people. That's what I really try and stress on this show. Talking to God, believing in God, following God doesn't have to be a ritualistic, daunting task. It's every day. It's like breathing. It comes just that naturally and it could just flow right through you just that naturally. And that's the relationship that he wants with you. Right. So I just wanted to say that I just wanted to say that because I was very happy that God has used my life 
although he had already planned to use my life from the beginning. So I'm really happy that I finally surrendered and allowed him to use my life for the platform which he had originally chosen me for, right? I'm so I'm so excited about that. And now now this news is a perfect introduction to the topic that I want to talk about today, which is because tomorrow's the love day, right? The song of Solomon, God is love, okay? So today we're going to, to we're going to discuss what could only come from the originator of love, right? El Olam, which is the everlasting God. Now let's think about it. Tomorrow, everyone's going to be buying flowers, candies, teddy bears, lingerie, and all those things love-related, right? But can I tell you all those things are actually a false representation of what love really is? No, no, don't get me wrong. I'm not a hater of Valentine's Day. Do not get me wrong. I have received many a gift on a Valentine's Day. Well, I've received many a gift on any day, but I have received many a gift on Valentine's Day, right? And it was a representation of love or what the commercial world wants us to believe is love, just like with Christmas, right? They want to push all the giving of gifts and toys and trees and lights and and baubles and, but we know what the true meaning of Christmas is, right? So I wanted to take today to talk about true meaning of love, right? Because some of us, some of us might not have Valentine's to people to, you know, give us flowers and candy and, but that doesn't mean that you're not loved because God always loves you. He always loves you, right? So it doesn't take the manifestation of presence or the giving of presence for someone to acknowledge that they love you, right? So today we're going to talk about the song, the song of songs, as it's sometimes called, or the song of Solomon. And it has been described by commentators as the virtues of love between a man and a woman. Now, this poem shows God's design for marriage and how he wanted it to play out in our life. Because all of us know God is about family, love, marriage, honor your husband, your wife, your children, all those things, right? And this book of the Song of Psalms shows us how love is more than just a physical thing, which the world wants us to believe that it is. The world wants us to believe that in order for you to have love, it has to be physical all the time. But love is a combination of honor and intimacy. And this book, this book is broken into three parts, right? It was the courtship part, which is the beginning, the wedding part, and then the maturing marriages. So in summary, the Song of Solomon is a series of lyrical poems organized as a lengthy dialogue between a young woman and her lover. So I'm going to read Song of Solomon's chapter one, verses one to four, and then I'm going to read chapter two, verses four to seven, and then we're going to, we're going to discuss it. And as today, I am reading from the New King James Version. 
The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Because of the fragrance of your good ointments, your name is ointment poured forth. Therefore, the virgins love you. Draw me away. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Sustain me with cakes of raisins. Refresh me with apples, for I am lovesick. His left hand is under my head, and his right hand embraces me. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the does of the field, do not stir up nor awaken love until it pleases. Now, blessed is the reading of the, the word of the Lord. In those verses, it was clearly a courtship. You can hear the words that were being used. And it was a Shulamite woman who was expressing her feelings to Solomon. She was explaining to her girlfriend how he makes her feel and the desires that she has for him. Now, ladies, you know, if you think back, some of you don't have to think back that hard. Some of you are probably still in the midst of it now. When you first meet someone when they start talking to you, how you just get the butterflies in your stomach and you get all nervous, your hands and your palms start sweating and every all of a sudden everything feels hot. As soon as you see him or you hear his name or you start talking about him, the temperature rises in the room like a thousand degrees, right? So you can understand how she was feeling when she was talking to her girlfriends about, oh, the love. The, his love is better than wine and how he makes her feel, right? But it also shows you how love can develop naturally when you admire someone, but you don't have to act upon it. Because she says to them, even though she's saying, oh, refresh me with the apples, she's lovesick. She's like, it's almost about to make her faint thinking about him, how Sweet his ointment is like meaning his, the fragrance of, you know, his cologne is making her swoon when he walks by her and she's just, you know, falling for him. But she also says, do not stir or awaken love until it pleases. So it's also telling you that you can feel all these things for a person, but you don't have to act on the physical. And that's what the world wants you. That's what the world wants you to do, right? The world wants us to jump into bed with the first one because you can see from the commercials that we have, everything in order to sell, the first thing advertisers say is sex sells. They'll show, well, they used to, I haven't seen too many like this lately, but back in the day when they used to have commercials for cars, they always had some sexy woman and scantily clad trying to sell a car or, you know, anything, anything that, that they thought that would be a, appealing to the eye because they were more so trying to attract the male eye because at that time they looked at it as men were the predominant ones that were the breadwinners, so they would be the ones making the purchases. So everything was revolved around, everything had to look sexy, everything had to look, 
you know, glamorous or whatever. And even today, they still keep pushing the whole sex appeal, sex appeal, because that's what the world wants you to grab onto. And some commentators believe that the book puts sexuality in the context of pure love and not the extremes of sensuous desires, right? And that's keeping sex in the covenant of marriage. And now I can't tell you what to do. I can't tell you the only reason to have sex is to to get married. I mean, or, you know, people do what they want to do. Everything is to each his own. I just teach the book as the way the book is written. And when you think about it, when you think about it, and this is just in your own personal time when you think about it, some of us who have had sex before marriage would you think that it might have been a better relationship had you had waited till after marriage? Now, this conversation, I guess it's just something to think about why God is going on this on this platform right now, probably because it's Valentine's Day tomorrow and probably because of all the things that are just constantly in the news with the sex trafficking of young girls, you know, that's become a real, the whole Epstein and Prince, Prince Andrew, or no longer Prince Andrew, uh, the Queen's son, Andrew, and I don't know her name, Giselle or Giselle, I'm not even sure what her name is, but the whole, th- the, the whole Me Too movement with the Bill Cosby, with the R. Kelly with the every with all these sexual allegations always being brought up with Cuomo and all these things, all these things with all these sexual allegations. It's because Satan has gotten everything so heightened to like everything is a, everything has a connection with sex. Everything has a connection with sex. And when you take something that was created by God, right? It was created by God because everyone, when you think about it, everyone has the desire to have sex. That's just, we were naturally built that way for procreation to keep the species going. It's just a natural thing. You don't have to teach somebody to feel like they want to have sex. That's not something that you teach someone. That's something that automatically happens. Matter of fact, most parents, they have to teach their kids not to, you know, curb that feeling that you have coming on you because it's a natural. It just happens. It's just in the progression of life. As you get older, things change. It's natural. But do you know that anything that God has that happens naturally for us, the devil will take it and pervert it. Everything, when you think about it, he's going to put his little spin on it to make it where it's, it's bad, it's not good, or you shouldn't be doing, or you can't be doing. He turns everything around. So with that, this book, the Song of Solomon, Song of Songs, 
It was showing us how, if you read the, the entire book, it was showing us how you can have feelings for someone and not act on them until the time is right. There's nothing wrong with having the feelings. You can have the feelings, but you don't have to act upon them until it's the right time to do so. So just like with Adam and Eve, we never heard of them being with each other. When Adam and Eve was in the garden, we never heard about them being with each other. The only time we knew about Adam and Eve getting together is once they was kicked out of the garden. And then that's when she had her kids. Right or wrong. The whole time they were in the garden, we didn't hear anything about them getting together like that. And. The Song of Solomon ends. It ends with both the husband and wife confident and secure in each other's love. If you read it, it goes from the courtship, then it goes to the wedding, and then it goes to the point where they're starting to have um, problems in their marriage. You see that they're having problems in their marriage, but they do come back together and they stay together as one. And that it's almost like saying that last it, true love, when do, done naturally, that it will stay together. Once you keep God in the midst of it, it will stay together. So I say all that to say the love that Solomon expressed in the book of Song of Songs has also been used to express the way Christ views the church. He loves us unconditionally with all of our faults. So let's always remember that from the beginning, God was love and God is love because God gave his son so that he could bring us back to himself. And that's the, the whole essence of what I am wanted to talk about today with the love. I wanted to touch upon the aspects of what the world thinks love is, how God included love in the Bible, in his words. He included love in there as well to show you that love is something that's always coming from him. Love is something that is always, he's always embracing it. So, God is love. God loved the world. And the love that we show towards one another should always be godly. So, like I said, if you don't have that special someone for tomorrow, that's okay. Because you always have that special someone with you every day, which is Jesus Christ, right? Which is God, which is God himself. So this is what I had wrote at the bottom. And I'm just reading this now. That's why I'm like taking my time because I'm looking at what I had written. Because I wrote this like God gave me this like last week. So I was just reading it now. And it said, I wrote, if you are in a relationship and your mate doesn't treasure you like Solomon treasured the Sulamite woman. And that, because if you read the book, if you read the book, they, he talks about her lips, how her lips are the, the shape of them. And he goes into really explicit detail. And I, when I was reading, when I first read the book of song, the song of Solomon, I was almost thinking that, wow, this is a 
if you really take it into the context, your mind could really run with it, with it being explicit. And you, it almost reads like one of those novels that where they put all the details in. But the good thing about it is all the details weren't put in here. So it leaves it to your you can make your own interpretation when you're reading the book. And I laughed about that because I was like, look at this. I mean, when you when they say the everything under the sun is written in the Bible, trust me, everything that we're thinking like, oh my gosh, everything has already been written. And that's how I say the devil wants to take things to twist it, to pervert it, whereas God wrote it and it's pure. And it's pure. So I just wanted everybody to remember that. I just wanted everybody to have a beautiful day tomorrow. And just to remember that the originator, El Olam, the everlasting God, the originator of love, is the one that we should be looking towards for our love and our comfort and our happiness. And with that, it's time for a music break. You are listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn, What Brooklyn Sounds Like. So let me see, what do I want to play for us today? I was going to go on, I was going to go on the order of love songs, but now I just think every song that we play for the Lord is a love song, right? Every song that we play. So it doesn't even really matter which one I put on because they're all him. So here we go. Music on Radio Free Brooklyn. Any fear I go moonlighting by that's a lemme. Cause my mommy won't want to leave me. And I want my person to miss it too lazy. Hulua, bona, flelene. Pasa de os, hula, tade, bayo, okunlesi. No go tosse, me a too lazy. Anywhere I go, moonlighting by that's a lemme. Cause my mommy won't want to leave me.
sale más, sin ti no es fácil Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. You have been listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Now, I want to, normally after I play my music, I don't usually make any comments. But, you know, I try to get like different types of music to show that people all over the world make songs to God, praising him in their own languages. But what I do is... When I'm playing it, although you may not understand what they're saying, know that they are giving homage to God. Because 
I look up the translation of what they're saying. So I know that they're praising the Lord. And that song in particular, what made me say something this time is because that song, this was the Spanish version of of the song, but there's an African version that's strictly African that they play on the pop stations. And the funny thing about it, and I won't say funny because it's just the way God works. I would hear that song because I listen to all types of music at any given time of the day. I hear that song. And when I heard it, it, it made my spirit like jump, not because of the beat, but it was just something about when I heard the song, I was like, hmm, something about that song. So when I heard it again, I was like, I have to find. And at first I couldn't find the song. I didn't know what song it was because I didn't know what they were saying. So I didn't know where to look, you know, how to look it up. So I said, I got to find that song. As I, when I write my words, when God gives me in my spirit what to talk about in the week coming, I'll play music so I know what songs I might want to put on the show. So I make up my playlist, which will go for the entire month. Like I have a whole month already. February's month is already filled with songs. So I already have songs to pull from for every show for this month. So as I was listening on the Spotify and I was just letting it give me, once you put in the genre, it's going to give you the different songs that fall under that genre. And the song came on and I was like, wait a minute, how did this get on there? And when I looked at it, I said, ah, okay. So then that's why, that's how I got the song that I was able to look up the words and then see what they were actually saying. And then as I went deeper into it, that was the Spanish version. So then I found out that they had remixed it and did it with the African and Spanish together. But that just goes to show you that goes to show you how God is. One, God is in everything. Even when you don't think he's in it, he's in it. So when that pop song, when that song played on the pop stations, and if people don't understand, if you're not African and you don't speak that dialect, you don't know what you're dancing to. They might be playing it in the clubs. I don't know. But people don't know what they're dancing to. And I told a friend of mine, I said, you hear Because when it came on the radio, I said, you hear that song right there? I said, that song right there. I said, you know, that song is praising God. So they were like, what? I said, yes. I said, I translated the words. They're giving praise to God. I said, and people are going around blasting us in their cars and bopping to it. And they don't even realize that they're praising the Lord when they're listening to that song. So don't ever think that God is not in the midst of everything. You just have to have the ear to pick it up to see. But he's in the midst of everything. And I just wanted to say that, that when I play some songs, I know some people don't understand what it is that's being said. But, and there are some songs that I'll play that don't have, it's it's not talking about God. It wasn't made for God. But when you listen to the words, it could be, it's inspirational. So some songs I'll play that are inspirational and some songs I will play that are definitely made for him. But that one I wanted to play in particular and I wanted to play the Spanish version because I knew when people heard the beat, if you're familiar with the African one, you would be like, hmm, she's playing that one. But then to hear it in another language, that goes to show you how when it's a, when it's a song, being sung for the Lord, it transcends everything. 
everyone can make a ver- everyone can make their version. They can sing their words to the beat because it's still all praising God. So that's just a little bit I wanted to say about the songs that I had played today. Um, and as you can tell, the first one was also African and he was talking about unity and people coming together and how it's wonderful how he feels in his spirit. People are coming together as one. But it is now time for the part of the show that I call op-ed. Today's op-ed. <sighs> Since today is Super Bowl Sunday, right? Yay. For those of you who are interested. We have the Bengals, Cincinnati, playing against L.A. Rams. And in light of all that with Super Bowl, how could I not talk about Brian Flores? Now, Brian Flores is the black head coach that accused the NFL of discrimination. Now, why does that sound so vaguely familiar? NFL discrimination, <laughs> right? The NFL is always being brought up on some type of charges for, for discrimination. But now this, I got this from the NFL.com and it was written by Jim Trotter. He's a commentator for them. And he states, the National Football League has a long and troubled history when it comes to race and head coaches. Fritz Pollard broke the coaching color barrier in 1921. However, it took 68 years before Art Shell became the second black man to lead a team. At the turn of the century, the modern era had seen just four black head coaches at the dawning of 2022. In the league's 120 second season, 13 franchises had never hired a black non-interim head coach and 11 others had only installed one. Stated another way, entering this hiring cycle, three quarters of the league's 32 franchises had employed one or zero black head coaches. It is against the backdrop that the former Miami Dolphins head coach Brian Flores kicked off Black History Month last week by suing the NFL and three of its teams for an alleged pattern of racist hiring practices by the league and racial discrimination by the Dolphins, Broncos and Giants. The NFL had only one head black coach entering this hiring cycle and six of the first nine vacancies this year went to white men. Two of the final three openings went to diverse candidates. The Texans hired Lovey Smith, who is black, and the Dolphins appointed Mike McDaniel, who is multiracial, multiracial. But those hirings came the week after Flores's lawsuit. So now, before I continue reading this article to you, there's several things I want to pick apart in what he said up here. First of all, it is Black History Month, yes. And we know there's discrimination everywhere, yes. And yes, we do see changes being made, yes. 
But we also know in the NFL, well, Kampernick brought that to our attention when he was doing what he was doing. Yes, I had this debate with a sports aficionado when I made the statement of, well, Kampernick was talking about that from years ago. They told me that, no, what he was doing was different. This is about coaches. He was doing about social injustice. And I had to sit there for a minute and I thought about it. And then I made the statement of, he was talking about what was happening to black people, be it a coaching job or being the discrimination with social injustice. He was putting it all together because you can't separate. You can't separate the two things. And people want to separate the two things. They want to keep it as, oh, well, what Kaepernick did with the NFL didn't have anything to do with what Brian Flores is talking about. No, it did. Because if you looked at it, if you were looking at it from the perspective of a black person, it was all one big bubble. It's all what discrimination is all one big bubble. You don't pick and choose what is and what isn't. So right here, when they were talking about the hiring of the head coaches, the Mike McDaniel guy that the Dolphins appointed, which actually took the place of the Brian Flores guy because he used to be with the Dolphins, but since this lawsuit, he's no longer with the Dolphins. This Mike Mc, McDonald, McDaniel, excuse me, who is multiracial. Now, there's a whole nother story on him because he says when they, I guess they asked him in a news conference, I didn't see it, but they asked him, I guess what his ethnicity was. And he said, I'm a human being. So when he said that, I guess people were scratching their heads like, that's not what we asked you. And what they wanted to know was, they wanted to know, since you're biracial, biracial, multiracial, you know, are you black? You know, that's what the question really was probably asking. Are you black? His father is a black man. Now, why he couldn't say, my father's a black man? Why he had to say, I'm a human being? That right there, that right there lets you know what the tone is in the NFL. If you're someone who's hired to do a position and you're hired in that position because of all the scandal that is now associated with being in that position and being of a certain ethnicity. You're a human being. Well, the coach that they had there the last time was a human being. And I'm sure the one that they're going to have here after you will also be a human being. So you saying that, what, what point were you really trying to make? Because you trying to act as though color doesn't matter. That that horse left the barn years ago, even though people just want to act like it just left when Brian Flores said it, that he was the only one that noticed that that horse had left the barn. But that horse was never in the barn. OK, let's just keep it like that. That horse was never there. So for him to say, oh, I'm a human being. That almost when I heard well, when I read that about him, like I said, I didn't go deep into it. But just the fact that he made that statement in that way lets you know he's not even 
comfortable in his own skin to say, well, yeah, I'm a black man and I'm here. So that lets you know the tone of what the NFL has been doing and what it is doing and why all this is coming to the forefront. So now going back to the article, it said in the beginning, what's his name? What's that guy's name? Oh, Roger Goodell. (laughs) Okay, here it is. Only, this is the rest of the article. Only five of the last 36 head coaches coaches opening have gone to black men and and is unacceptable is an unacceptable reality that the NFL commissioner Roger Goodell acknowledged just four days after the league statement said Flores's claims were without merit so when Flores first made his allegations against the NFL the first thing they wanted to scream about is that's without merit what is he talking about well he's a black man and he sees what's going on in his workplace what else is he talking about but Since now he's been on the circuit talking about it to everybody, the NFL had to make a statement. And Roger Goodell's statement was, he said, I think the initial reaction was regarding the legal claims themselves and not really what we would say the experiences of what Coach Flores was going through. And that's what I'm more interested in. I put the legal claims and the legal process to the side and and that'll be handled by lawyers. To me, it's more important for us to sort and listen to Flores, understand what he and other coaches are going through. <laughs> Is that funny or what? He wants to understand what they're going through. You already know what they're going through. You see... You, You're the president of all the teams. You don't see what's happening. You don't see when you sit at your board table who's sitting around, who's making. You don't hear the comments that's being made when you're sitting around the table talking to your boys on the golf course or something. You don't know. You don't hear all that. But I digress. But with all that being said, some people are saying that Flores acted impulsively. And that was another thing that I got into a heated, well, not heated, just a discussion with my sports aficionado. He said that he feels that Flores jumped the gun. Flores should not have said anything. He should have just waited and saw what happened since he was going around interviewing with other teams. I say Flores got fed up. And the reason why the whistle was blown was because the Patriots um, head coach, the one that used to be over Tom Brady, Belichick, he sent a text to the wrong person. He actually sent it to Flores congratulating him for getting the job, but he wasn't the Brian that he should have been sending it to. He really should have sent it to the other one. And Flores was like, well, how do you know who got the job? Because, of course, they're going to know who got the job because they all talk because they already knew who was going to get the job to begin with. So that's what started this whole firestorm of these allegations and this lawsuit. But I just say, like I said last week, when we talked about emotions, when something happens in the heat and it makes your emotions get riled, because I'm sure when he got that text and then he found out somebody else got it and he hadn't even finished really interviewing. Because I don't even know if he had interviewed yet when he got that text. Yes, maybe he should have just sat, took a deep breath, 
and let everything be on a neutral ground before he spoke. But I don't think it would have changed anything because if it's something that he had been feeling, something that he had been watching and seeing and what has been going on, that was just confirmation for him that everything that he was feeling was correct. So, yes, it was for him to speak on it. And some people feel that he shouldn't have spoke on it. He should have just, you know, waited and got another job and took his money because he still had his contract with the Dolphins and he still had to pay. You know what? Sometimes when it comes to discrimination, sometimes it's just enough is enough. It's not about the money that you could have you that you potentially left on the table is not about the money that they could have paid you because at the end it becomes hush money because if you don't make the noise now who makes the noise to make the change somebody has to make the noise and if you don't if you're not the one making the noise then who will make the noise so yes he might not get what he wants he might not get what he was looking for in making that noise it might not happen for him right now it might not even happen in his son's generation it may be who knows years from now down the line but in order for it to be brought to the attention someone has to make the noise are you going to be the one to make the noise something to think about. And that ends op-ed. Ooh, I see I went, oh, my time is growing short. I do want us to remember our word of the month, which is transformative, causing a marked change in someone or something else. Now, going back to op-ed, can we say that with our word of the month, Brian Flores, he's floating right in there, right? He's causing a change. He's shaking up that apple cart where everybody was nice and comfortable. Sometimes everybody can't just sit comfortable because if everybody can't sit down and be comfortable, why should anybody sit down and be comfortable, right? And let, until we can all sit and be comfortable, then I don't think just a few of us should sit and be comfortable. So our promise for the week comes from First, first Corinthians 1, 1 and 3. And we're going to keep this on the order of Love where we had started out the program from the beginning. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I have become sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. And though I have a gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. And with that, I like to say everyone stay safe. If you're watching the Super Bowl today, have fun. If you're celebrating Valentine's Day tomorrow, have fun. If you're continuing to celebrate the Lunar New Year, have fun. Be safe. Wear your mask, wash your hands, social distance, and until God brings us together again next week, peace. When you're out of choices To cleanse your soul From the wrong you've done There's a river that flows
Good. 